What's up, my people? I'm your host, Chad Hostack, coming up with a good word. If you hear any noise, it might be my dad doing stuff in the kitchen or my nephew Micah playing in the living room, washer, dryer, etc. Well, I'm not going to let any of that stop me from doing this episode. And it's not midnight, but I'm scheduling this for midnight. So... If I provide you any sort of value, please do consider making a donation. Donations are always appreciated. In tonight's uh, scheduled midnight reflection, I'm going to be talking about identity and the self, the concept of self, and what I think about it. So, there's a lot more to it than what I'm going to be saying in this episode. However, I picked the primary things about it that I think are important to share and what I think about it. So I believe in the idea of the default self, like who you are currently, your initial thoughts, secondary thoughts, and other variations like third and so forth. Like we have initial thoughts and reactions, beliefs and ideas that come to us when we're focused on something or someone, right? So it's like, we might see someone, like, stomping their feet in public in a parking lot and yelling. And let's say your initial thoughts are like, well, that person's really angry. Yeah, I wonder if they're dangerous. But then your secondary thought or your third thought could be something among the lines, like something more mature. Like, hmm, I wonder why that person's behaving that way. I wonder if they need help. You know, your default self has diversity in it and variety of like who you can be in that very moment and i think it's good to start out being your default self before you become your best self to live authentically is to be your default self but just because you can govern yourself like your initial secondary and third and so forth thoughts just because you can govern them doesn't mean like your initial reaction is your most authentic self it's part of it but our self-governing behavior, or I mean our ability, our capability of self-governing, controlling ourselves, choosing which thought we go with, that has a lot to do with how we authentically are. Because we are not our thoughts. We are not our feelings. And it's hard to say exactly what we are besides human. But I'm not under the impression that our initial thoughts, or any of our thoughts or any of our feelings, I'm not under the impression those are who we are. I believe they're a mechanism into becoming who we are. You know, like, say you go with your initial thought and you flee the scene because you think that person yelling in the example is dangerous. Well, then you, going off, using that mechanism, going off your initial thought, you become like a coward. Or you become somebody who tried to keep themselves and their interests safe and not deal with that and leave it to the person to either calm down or someone else interferes in the situation or let's say you chose to go up and approach in a calm collective way and you're just like hey can i help you with something like are, are you in pain like can i help you you chose to take that risk of interacting with someone who's upset or like worked up however we want to characterize it and through that you became a helpful person and a brave person so I don't believe we are our thoughts or feelings, but I do believe that they're a 
part of the mechanism and how we choose to become something. And I do believe we are... I, I do believe there's more to us than what we do, but what we do is a huge part of it, and it's really easy to work with, thinking of ourselves that way. We are what we do. But not to say that there's nothing beyond that. It, it gets messier, more nuanced from there. And so your default self is basically about what you want now and what you need now. You know, this is different than your ideal self, usually. Your ideal self can have the same situation with your default self, you know, sometimes. Or some depending who you are, it could be all the time, or very little the time, or anywhere in between those two things. So what you yourself actually believes and thinks has a lot to do with your default self. Not 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 parroting somebody like Jordan B. Pearson, Dr. Jordan B. Pearson for that matter, or Joe Rogan or a guest Joe Rogan had on. What you actually think and what you actually believe, whether it's your initial beliefs or your secondary beliefs and and such, you know, that has a lot to do with who you actually are in the moment. What you yourself actually wants to do and needs to do has a lot to do with who you become. You know, you go from your default self with your initial and secondary and so forth thoughts and reactions, beliefs and such, and then you what you do with them has a lot to do with who you are how, and how you present yourself and how you show up in the world. So... How do we lose touch with our default self? We we start parroting what other people think and feel. It's like, oh, well, Dr. Jerome B. Pearson said this, and I like that a lot, so I'm going to adopt that and make that a part of me. And you could do that authentically, and that might be how you become your best self in a sense, or in that situation. And there's nothing wrong with programming yourself like that and modifying yourself to become your best self, and, or even be a more authentic version of your default self. You know, it's just like when we modify ourselves and we start adopting and replacing beliefs, we can easily lose touch with our default self. Or we could also have the opposite effect where we get more in touch with our default self through applying knowledge that we learn. You know, but it is really easy to lose touch with who we are when we don't actually act on what we really think and what we, what we really want and what we really feel and what we really want to do and what we really need to do. Like when we avoid doing what we want and need to do, you can actually have bad dreams from your unconscious. Your unconscious is going to want you to do and believe certain things. And you will also have consequences of being inauthentic, not doing what you really want and not doing what you really need. You know, you, you'll lose touch with who you really are and what you really think. And maybe it will work for you for a while. But then eventually it all accumulates and it, you reach your max capacity of tolerance for not being true to your own interests. You know, um... I think it's important to think, say, and do what you really think. Um, it, it simplifies your life. Like, if you really like someone and want to be connected with them, do that. If you really like or love doing something, do that. 
if you're able to do what it takes to get your needs met, like what you actually need instead of what someone told you you need, do that. If you don't really like someone and you want to tell them to fuck off, go ahead and do that. Make sure people know where you stand with them. There's nothing wrong with with, with that. Because I know some people who are plain Janes, you know, some really boring people who are never polarizing. They don't want conflict with anybody. They're friends with everybody. Well, a friend to everyone is a friend to no one. And it's really hard to trust those kinds of people. You know, they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to say what they really think. They they, they go for the middle ground fallacy. They, they think there's always a way to meet the expectations and needs and wants of everybody and you know they 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 might know themselves and they probably do that they're truly against say for example communism but they would never try to display that or indicate that in any way when dealing with actual communists and you could also reverse the example they might be truly against capitalism but they they don't want to rock the boat they don't want to say what they really think and be connected to people who are truly like them so they, they do everything they can to, like, meet the expectations and such of, you know, the capitalists instead of truly being a communist like they should be, you know, according to their their default self. And, you know, I like the people who are willing to say what they really think and stand by that and not delete their comment or their post, whatever format it may be, and actually, like, be a part of, a community and stand against something and stand for something that's admirable that's leadership and that's authenticity the plain janes like you, you gotta you gotta be excellent at salesmanship if you're gonna do something like that uh it, or be like effective at it at least and so the next thing i want to talk about is your real self versus social you I'm convinced that we all have opinions and thoughts and ideas and beliefs that would totally disrupt social cohesion. You know, like, one polarizing thing that's philosophical I can think of that I've said on this podcast is that uh, we shouldn't lie at funerals. We shouldn't pretend everyone who died is a good, saintly person. <laughs> like, we, we shouldn't pretend to be sad. Someone we don't like died. That's my opinion. And... That breaks social cohesion. Um, and then there's social you, right? So in contrast, social you might have that opinion like I do. But when you're at the funeral, you know, you're not trying to be an activist and encourage people to say what they really think about the dead person. You let people do their spiel and you do it too. Because it would just be pointless to be polarizing at a funeral that's not the right time and place to to be that person you know the right time and place for me to be like that is on my podcast talking about my worldview but not at a funeral and so how do we manage the philosophical real us with the social version of ourselves our persona not to say a persona is authentic but you know being sociable enough to have that social cohesion with other people and still have friends and family and colleagues and stuff. How do we do that? Well, we figure out the timing and placing and delivery of these things. And the real us, the philosophical us, is very much needed to be kept private a lot of the time. Uh, 
I'm not saying all the time, but a lot of the time, you know, like you might disagree with a customer on something like they might be wearing some political shirt and you're a grocery store bagger. Well, it'd be very unprofessional of you and not good socially of you to get in a political discussion, even if it was innocuous, like, you know, the, the company doesn't pay you to talk about politics with customers who wear political shirts. They, they they pay you to do the job you're supposed to, which is backing their groceries. So shut up and get back to work. <laughs> you know, um, that that's the thing. It's like it's all about timing and placing, and that's a tricky thing with truth. And I'm not saying we can't discuss reality or truth with people. I'm saying we have to be in the right time and place. You know, and I think like theoretically everyone you could talk to with tr about truth and reality everybody or at least a lot of people most people maybe and it's just got to be in the right time and place so you wouldn't talk with that customer about politics whether you agree with them or disagree with them on the clock but you could be like hey i saw your shirt i want to talk politics at the store but i was wondering if i could buy you coffee and we could talk about what's on your shirt i kind of i kind of like it or I kind of want to hear more about that viewpoint because I disagree. Like, and maybe not do it like that, but the, I'm just trying to get the gist out. Like, you can you can talk truth with people, but it's got to be in the right time and place. And you have to have the right delivery. Maybe I didn't give a good example of proper delivery, but I, I tried to illustrate the point, you know, verbally. And so it's like, you don't always have to keep the real you private. You know, you just got to be in the right time and place who are with the people who are in the right time and place where you can all be real together. You know, I have people in my life that I can say what I really think all the time and they can say what they really think all the time or not all the time, but in the interaction, all of the interaction when we're all in the right headspace for it. And the thing is, like, we can indicate that to each other where it's like, you know, I might hop on the call with someone and be like, hey, I'm kind of spacey right now, but I'm willing to talk about X, Y, and Z. And we kind of create that proper timing and placing for certain things. And they don't always have to be kept private, though I do think it's okay to keep your real opinions to yourself if you want to. If that would be authentic to your best self or your default self or both, you know, go ahead, by all means, keep it to yourself. And if you want to talk about who you really are and find out who people really are, just try to create that timing and placing and deliver it properly. And that takes practice. You know, if you want to know how to socialize and get better at it, my advice is just keep talking to people. And, you know, you, you probably will fail at it. Like, take me for instance, like, I used to be a social butterfly, you know, from a young age up until 2020, when the pandemic hit and the U.S. government, you know, made everyone stay inside and such, I, I became like a hermit and I lost my social edge. So I'm actually learning, relearning to socialize properly with people and, you know, I, I do have some social embarrassments and social faux pas here and there, you know. Maybe I, I maybe I was too vulnerable and said something cringy and stupid, and it ruined the moments. You know, but the thing is, like, I'm learning, I'm relearning proper timing and placing with certain subjects about myself and other people, 
and relearning to have social cohesion where it counts and where it matters. And that's my advice to everyone. If you want to get good at socializing, just go for it. And if you fail a few times, fuck it, whatever. You know, it, it's better to learn or relearn or both and fail than it is to never, like, try it out. And I also strongly disadvise people from, you know, romanticizing their solitude, whether it's positive or melancholic. I, I do think it's important to have a social edge to you and to be able to socialize with certain kinds of people, like especially your own kind, your own kind of people, whatever that may be. Maybe it's self-improvement people, maybe it's gym people, maybe it's anime people, maybe it's religious people, maybe it's political people. Whatever it is, or how many ever it is, you know, we gotta have that social edge if we're gonna move forward in life, because you never know when you're gonna need people, and vice versa, they'll, they'll never know when they need you. So, it's important to just socialize, and there are books that are rather helpful. I do recommend sales books first, because sales takes care of so many things. I even recommend learning sales before typology. Because sales teaches you how to talk to a, a wide range of people and actually be good at it. So learn sales first, then maybe pick up how to win friends and influence people, and maybe get a charisma course. I actually did all the all all of this in that order, by the way, and it works out wonderfully. And then I got into typology. You know, MBTI, Socionics, Enneagram, for anyone listening who may not know what I'm talking about when I say typology. And for the record, I do think that, I think MBTI is great for understanding other people, and I think Enneagram is great for understanding yourself. That's what I've noticed with myself and other people. Um, humanitarian Socionics is really cool. I've been thinking about becoming a student of that. Uh, Socionics Model A is also really cool. Typology is really cool. Though I think, like... It's so precise that it's hard to be good at it. It's hard to recognize the nature of each function in any given person's function stack. It's hard to identify what type you're talking to right away. You know, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying like, even though it can be really hard to accurately type somebody or profile them in a system, you know, it's interesting and useful enough where you might have an impression of what functions somebody is using regularly and you might have a good impression or an okay impression of what nature of the functions they're using are. And when I say nature of the function, I mean you kind of understand where it is in the stack. And you might just have a good impression of what someone's type is. And even if you're totally wrong, it's still useful um, to interact with people and understand other people and yourself depending on the system and such, you know. So if you're interested in typology, I, I always recommend people start off watching C.S. Joseph. You know, that's initials, you know, C period, S period, Joseph. C.S. Joseph, look him up on YouTube and just binge his content. That, that's my starting point. I always recommend people getting into typology. And of course, read Carl Jung. You know, I haven't, I haven't gotten enough into Freud yet. Freudianism. I, I have not gotten enough into them, so I think that's going to be one of my goals. I'll have to put it out there, way out there, like maybe in a few months. I would get into some of his work. And Freud's like hit or miss with people, I think. I think there's, 
I think he's got a checkered reputation in psychology as well as a legendary status in psychology. Um, a lot of people disagree with him. A lot of people do agree with him from all the cats that I've talked to on social media and in real life. Take some water. All right, so now let's talk about the best you. The best you is basically who you think you should be, who your kind needs you to be, or community needs you to be, and finally, who you need yourself to be. Like in my last episode, The Best Self Blueprint, accompanied by a blog I wrote, where you can print it out from my website, the 25 questions that you need to answer in order to have a really specific, defined vision of what your ideal self is, your best self. And that's the thing. It's like tying this all together. You know, you can have a really good idea of what your best self is if you're true to your default self. And not over-educate yourself and not over-modify yourself with self-improvement stuff. You know, because you can waste a lot of time by trying out all these different self-improvement things, like including but not limited to changing your whole linguistic prowess, where instead of saying, hey guys, sorry I'm late, but let, let's get this team. Instead of saying that, they teach you to say things like, thank you for your patience. You know, I'm not saying it's bad to do those things. I'm just saying, like, if it's not something you actually need or want or should do, that will really get you out of touch with your default self. And your default self is special because it's about... Your default self is how you master your daily art of the art of daily living for yourself. Being disciplined with your default self, it helps you get in touch with what you actually want and actually need, and then you be how you actually want to be. And that leads you to a position as like a place, abstractly speaking, metaphorically speaking, philosophically speaking. It leads you to a place where you can become your best self and you'll have the necessary information and self-knowledge or even assumption, accurate and necessary assumptions about yourself in order to construct who the best you would be. I'm not saying you can't become your best self even if you did get out of touch with your default self. What I'm saying is it's more easy, practical, and simplistic to be true to your default self you know, what you want now, what you need now, yeah, um, what you actually believe, what you actually think, what you actually feel, and being in touch with your initial, secondary, and other reactions and beliefs and feelings. You know, be, being in that place gives you a really clear roadmap to becoming the best you, where your best you would probably be excellent at timing, placing, and delivery, and knowing what should be public and what should be private for the sake of your real self in, in comparison, and even in a joint relationship to social you. You know, sociable you versus real you, real you versus sociable you. And it's all about choosing to think, feel, and believe, and adopt and replace certain things authentically and also out of necessity in order to transition from your default self 
into your best self. I mean, yeah, transition from your default self to your best self or even merging the two together. That's really what it's all about. And we, we lose touch with our default self and we don't have a clear idea of who we should be because it, because we're either not being our real self and we're too sociable or we're too real and not sociable enough. I do believe social sociable you has a lot of value as well as the real you. And they don't have to be enemies or at odds with each other. In fact, they kind of help one another. And it's about having that balance between real you and sociable you. So it's like, you can say what you really think, but you time and place and deliver it well. And you also keep it private when it needs to be. So real you versus sociable you, it's not one's real and one's fake. It's one's real, but can, you know, if you're too real and you don't properly time and place things, then not only do you lose touch with your default self, um, you, you lose social cohesion, which you may actually need in life. And if you're too sociable and you have too much of a persona and you're not being true to yourself, you're not properly timing and placing the real you or sociable you, you become like inauthentic. And, you know, it's important that we learn to be our default self and we learn to properly time and place the real us with sociable us. And then finally construct an idea of who we should be, who our communities and our own kind need us to be. And who we need ourselves to be. So when it comes to the self, like it's not wrong to be selfish and think, say, and do things because we want to for ourselves. We can also do it for other people and be authentic, and we can still do things for ourselves, like being being selfish in terms of like meeting our self interests. That's okay. Like, and that's why I I said this on some podcast episode a few few times ago. Some time ago, I, I was talking about like how the ego is demonized unnecessarily. Like you might do something to meet your self-interest and also for somebody else's self-interest. Like you help somebody and you record yourself doing it and you upload it to the internet. Well, yeah, it is kind of selfish of you to want a virtue signal like that, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It doesn't make it evil. Not all the time anyway. Like you can be evil with your selfishness. But the thing is that you can also be good and doing good things for selfishness too. Like maybe you're starting a charity or maybe you're just trying to inspire other people to be charitable and helpful and kind and such and not service to their community. And, you know, people on the internet are going to have a problem with that because the ego is unnecessarily demonized. But even though it may also have a selfish thing about it, you know, meeting your own self-interest, like having more status and, you know, people admiring you and such for being so helpful... It doesn't mean it's evil or a bad thing. And, you know, like, don't don't unnecessarily demonize the ego. It's okay to do things selfishly. You know, it's okay to say no to giving money to a homeless person so you can buy yourself ice cream. <laughs> like, it's not evil. You know, you're allowed to meet your own interests. You're allowed to be selfish sometimes. It's not always an evil, bad thing. Ooh, spooky. Somebody doing something so they can feel good about themselves. Ooh, how terrible. Yeah, those are two things you don't want to be. Number one, people who unnecessarily demonize the ego and are constantly trying to humble people, humble check people. And also the second person you don't want to be is, you know, unnecessarily modifying who you are 
because some guru on the internet told you that you should, some self-help person told you or a book told you or whatever. And it's, it's an inauthentic modification and it's leading you away from being who you actually are and who you should be. Those are the two people you want to be. But the two people you do want to be would be someone who is true to their default self, someone who is becoming their best self, and is mastering timing, placing delivery, and privacy. And that's all she wrote.